take three parts Frankenstein and one part King Kong and delete both to the point where recognition becomes strained and what do you get? Why? It's this week's episode where we explore the historic appearance of 1961's Conga. Welcome back, Miles and listeners. This is Patrick speaking. And once more, the kings of exploitation films are back with, indeed, Conga, another American international pictures, drive-in trash films. Uh, yeah, this is this is still the era of the drive-in. And I think there's a little bit more of a concerted effort as what what they're putting in the drive-ins. Now, it's, it's mostly, you know, you're... Your genre films. We're getting close to within a few years of the grind beginning of the grindhouse era, mm-hmm. and but that's that's a little bit further down the rope. Right now, we are still dealing with monster movies. I believe this is paired with a Vincent Price Jules Verne adaptation. Right? Yeah, I didn't recognize the title. I did not either. <laughs> um, and I love Vincent Price. I, I mostly watch a lot of his uh, horror work and some of his early. Um crime stuff but master of the world yeah it jules sounds interesting I, I mean i'd be inter- i'd be willing to watch it like jules verne so I'm, I'm guessing conga was the b film i don't have information about which played first but i feel like master of the world was i would i would think so larger that one got a sequel so <laughs> maybe yeah but vincent precious well, I, I will tell you this is a this was a little bit not a spoiler Maybe some people are smarter than, than me. I, for some reason, thought this was that weird one that had the the female monkey. <laughs> I think you're thinking of a 70s. Yeah, I film. am. I am. And it's 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 wild because Queen Kong, why, right? I, it was something like that, because I, typically when people uh, want to name something or give it a, a, kind of a feminization, they add the these the a suffix right yes and so i just assumed this was that movie and the entire time i'm i'm waiting for that other monkey to show up and i'm like oh this is so this is just a straight another king kong rip up okay that's fine well to avoid copyright i think when they went to do a comic of this later on or did some other adaptation they named the monster congo <laughs> <laughs> which is like, oh, well, that kind of that makes sense too. both Conga and Congo it, are just interesting titles. It's funny when I was telling Krista that I was going to be watching Conga and she was like, <laughs> oh, I, I want to watch that with you. And I was like, wait, you do? You, it's a you dance know movie. this movie? Dance and, movie, right? You know, she, no, she thought I said Congo as yeah. in the Michael Crichton adaptation. Oh, and I yeah. said, I would have rather have watched Conga. Um, I would have loved as well. Boy, howdy. If a giant monkey showed up at the end of Congo, I would have enjoyed that movie a, a good yeah, deal more. That would have been that would have been cool. But and, and since we're talking about all these wonderful mishaps with the title, Patrick, maybe you can tell us what's in a title. Well, about twenty five thousand dollars, <laughs> because that is what AIP paid to RKO Pictures, uh, what producer Cohen gave them to get the rights to the name 
which is about 5% of the film's supposed half million dollar budget, which is surprising <laughs> that that uh, much was, was, I mean, well, that that's what the, we've got reported. It's odd. They paid for the right to exploit the name, but not use the name because they could have just called this like a remake of King Kong, or they could have called it King Kong's revenge or, I mean, yeah, just to have, kong anywhere in the title and not get sued i think is what they were were going for and just to have a little bit of that marquee presence with the word kong and i mean this at this point king kong is almost 30 years old right uh, uh going into almost, the 60s almost almost yeah in that, talk about staying power and, and how influential and we're only a few years away from getting a toho version of king kong and about a, a 15 years away from an actual reboot of, of the King Kong series. Mm -hmm. The writer of this film, Herman Cohen, who's in no relation to Nathaniel Cohen, the producer, it was just off of writing in the late fifties, some films called I was a teenage werewolf, which was very popular and a less popular. I was a teenage Frankenstein. So the working production title for this movie was I was a teenage gorilla which makes no sense is maybe the dumbest idea for so the name of a, of a movie. It's funny that you say that. Cause there's a couple lines in this movie that make that almost make me think like, did he turn someone into a gorilla? Like, it, well, he, 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 there's a couple lines that Dr. Decker has where I'm mm -hmm. like, that, are they insinuating something else? It, it could have gone through a, a couple of various script adaptations to where that would have made, more sense i guess in the movie he does have a a cadre of teens and early 20 year olds under his 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 beck and call but no we we eventually got just just conga which is is a better title even though the german distribution went a step further and called it conga erb von king kong the heir to king kong in case you missed that conga had kong in the title and a Greek reissue had the subtitle The Invincible Gorilla Man, which so far away from being true, uh, yeah. spoilers for the end of this film, they just shoot him with like regular bullets. <laughs> yeah, it just does. seems like after a while, it, 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 it's enough. and He just kind of falls over. Oh, boy. Um, so, yeah, you, you mentioned Dr. Decker, who's really our main monster in this yeah. movie. Um, the entire time, I'm like, wait a minute. Because I didn't, I wasn't paying attention to the 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 title card. Obviously, mm -hmm. I'm like that man looks so familiar. Yeah, it's Michael Go, which if you know you grew up in the '80s, I, you recognize as Alfred from the Batman movies. I think the last name is pronounced Goff. Gaff. Is it Goff? Yeah, but yes, a, a very familiar face that I could not place until I I looked up his IMDb. Yeah, he's been in so many things that I've seen and so many mm -hmm. things that I am a fan of. And I obviously, you know, for people our age, we know him mostly from the latter end of his career as as Alfred Pennyworth and then popping up in some Tim Burton films. Correct. But yeah, this this is an actor who is won awards and is extremely well regarded. And and like a lot of those actors, the same with America and 80 slasher films, where a lot of people who have won awards and are well regarded started off in, in the horror genre. We have him in a couple of these uh these science fiction pictures. Yeah, yeah. And I mean we're I'm I'm gonna trash this movie a little bit, but 
I could say nothing bad really about his performance. He hams it up, but in like a very watchable dynamic way. In this oh, movie. he, he, yeah, he plays the, the, the scientists gone mad with basically hubris so well. Yeah. Like, even though his character is terribly plotted. The characterization, or I guess what he brings to it, like really elevates, uh, you know, a rip off of Doctor Doctor Frankenstein. What you said in the the intro there, yeah. I mean, the the cool thing about his performance is because it's even, and this is what some people will say. I don't always agree with it, but a lot of times when you do have a good actor in a bad movie, they can still shine. You know, if you're given enough good stuff to chew on, which he is, because it's. You know, he's the main character, oddly enough. Like, I was kind of thinking maybe we would switch perspectives to Sandra or something. And you're on his side. You are in his camp. You're like, oh, what a great actor they've got for this Charles Decker. And you like him until he just shoots a cat. He shoots a freaking cat. And I was like, oh, okay. So we're going down this road. What? (laughs) What happened? Um, uh, No, that that was definitely a point turner for me. I was like, boy, what just happened? Because I understand he's the bad guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because before it's like, yeah, he's a little full of himself. But like, you know, you're on his side because you know that he can do this thing. We've Mm -hmm. seen his perspective of it. And so, you know, you know, he's he's a little out there, but tolerable. And then he shoots a cat and. (laughs) You just hear the audience uh, booing all at once. Oh, yeah. 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 So, yeah, just just to kind of give a basic recap uh, in this movie, a British researcher who was basically in a plane crash in the jungles of Uganda returns. I I don't want to talk about this too long, but like it it feels like they insinuated that he maybe caused the crash or there's like questions I, like what happened to the pilot? I couldn't figure. Well, yeah. Cause he said the pilot base, he, I thought the pilot was right behind me and yeah, yeah it, it, he, it, he's so, he so closely guards the secret of this tribe. It's like, well, maybe he caused the plane to crash. They, they don't go into that, well, but which doesn't make sense anyway, but no, not so really. little of this does. <laughs> so that, 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 that's, that's fine. But my thing about it was at first, I, I never even thought he would cause a plane crash. And then, you know, after the cat shooting incident and the murders began, I, I think, OK, well, you know, no, he probably did. actually. Yeah. Right. So don't, he, don't know, I still don't know why he would cause a plane crash, but sure. He comes back from Uganda to the UK with a secret formula and a chimp. <laughs> yes, which, a, a real chimp. Yeah, and an adorable one in the beginning of this movie. I was like, all right, I'm on board. <laughs> yeah, he's a cute boy. He's not being asked to do too much except being pet. So I, I you know, we have kind of voiced our distaste for using real animals in these mm-hmm. movies. But it, because he's o- only being used to just kind of get fed and be pet, I, I kind of gave it a pass. Yeah, and it's not in the movie too long. Thank No, despite the things that the doctor does. So he's in Uganda for a year and returns to the UK with this chimpanzee and this formula that he has kind of experimented with, with some plants from Uganda, some insectivorous plants. So he plugs the serum into his pet, which he named Conga and creates essentially a murder machine. He uses to kill people who get in his way on command. Yeah. It, it kind of, I don't know if it's like part of the formula that they, he took from the native 
tribesmen or, or he talked about a like a, a witch doctor kind of like character but it kind of is like a zombie like an early zombie it's a yes, minion he, under his control it definitely feels like a pre-romero zombie for sure yeah you know a frankenstein's monster <laughs> that uh, that takes commands yes and <laughs> After he basically kind of scorns his, I guess, fiance slash well, housekeeper slash yeah. assistant slash uh, Margaret. We'll talk, is, about, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. First, the assistant. And, and we'll, then we'll a, talk about we'll talk about Margaret. She unleashes upon London a kaiju sized ape who basically uh, takes out his creator and then just dies and reverts to a sad monkey puppet. <laughs> yeah, we don't get really an explanation. It's like, oh, well, why did he shrink back down? I guess because they <laughs> wanted to show something dead on the ground. But I don't know. Doesn't it's make probably because they probably wanted. They probably thought the image of the monkey and his and his like master dead together made for some artistic looking scene or they couldn't afford to have models to have a guy in a suit lay down. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what are the two? <laughs> take your pick. Talking about this kind of historical context, it is pretty impossible to have any British film looking at this time period without talking about the British Empire, its history of colonialization and the exploitation of lands and peoples kind of in every single time zone <laughs> across the planet. Right. But yeah, it's the same way that you, the U.S., especially in a lot of uh, of Japanese cinema, we we are posed as kind of an aggressor, at the very least, a a, a wanton force of of violence. The U.K. doesn't get out without being, you know, a colonizer. And in this film, Dr. Charles Decker is returning from Uganda, which I, when I was looking it up, unbelievably in 1961, is still a protectorate of the. British crown hmm. and it wouldn't get its independence until the following year, even though it had been kind of transitioning for about a decade, but yeah, he's using the, I guess the plants and animal from Africa for personal gain in the UK. And eventually this blows up in his face, goes mad with power and it leads to his death. And so it, I mean, read into these themes, what you will, but obviously <laughs> I feel like there's, probably a couple and we'll see it in, in next week's movie as well a couple of themes that are hard not to pick up on <laughs> dr decker is kind of like a, a representation of the the proper british scientist who's yeah just takes things from other countries to bring back to to britain yes it is a definitely a a western characteristic a characteristic yeah um, but it, i mean he's very overtly shown to be a monster himself which is you know refreshing there's oh, not like yeah you know absolutely good intentions that go wrong they just show him with nothing but really bad intention well yeah because initially when he gives his elevator pitch for what he wants to utilize the the experiments for it sounds like okay this is great he's like i'd be happy to share my you know status with the college blah blah, blah. and it turns out that's the opposite of the truth <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, that's he, one of the things. He kills a guy just because he's working on the same stuff. I, I, one of the best kills in the movie. But yeah, it doesn't really make a ton of sense. Like, he, I guess his dean 
setting him back would be one thing, but it seems like he's sitting on such a huge experiment, like uh, 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 killing the Dean just seemed pretty petty. And well, each, also, each so kill gets more and to... more petty. <laughs> right. Extremely. Also, it's, it's like, why don't you just come to my house? I'll show you the the plants. <laughs> yeah. I'll, like, show, I'll show you this giant gorilla. It's it's yeah, it's it's weird. And before we get further into the, the movie, let's talk a little bit about the production history. So like, like Patrick said, you know, uh, Herman Cohen was tapped by an unrelated British film producer, Nat Cohen, to make him another movie for AIP. And the British studio studio Anglo Amalgamated, which sounds like the most oppressive British trading company for colonial times. <laughs> we, we finally got out from under the thumb of Anglo Amalgamated. Yeah, it makes me want to go dump all my tea in the nearest body of water. <laughs> but uh, last week, Patrick, you brought up the the Arkoff method. And this week, mm-hmm. I think we should talk about the the Peter Pan syndrome that AIP reportedly used to create films, which said to be, you know, for A, a younger child will watch anything an older child will watch. B, an older child will not watch anything a younger child will watch. And C, uh, a girl will watch anything a boy will watch. D, a boy will not watch anything a girl will watch. Therefore, to catch your greatest audience, you have you zero in on the 19-year-old male. And as harsh as that sounds and as non-inclusive as it sounds, oh, no. this, is, this is what Hollywood has been doing now for, for 60, 70 yeah. years. I mean, this this is basically a simple breakdown of yeah how they view it. They, I would say that for the last 70 years, yeah. They have been going specifically after like the 19 year old male. Yeah. So what better main character than a, <laughs> a scientist in his fifties as, as your main, uh, main villain of, I, of I didn't say they got it right. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, that you, we do have like 19 year old uh, characters in the movie as well that, that do show up, but they, they do. And they, they have a little bit of main character status for their own movie. Like Bob and, and Sandra, uh, mm-hmm. but but I want I will I will say that the the, the character in this movie that I love the most was Bob's younger brother at the dinner table. <laughs> yeah, that That's, kid ruled. That entire scene is just like, why are we watching this? Are these characters gonna like show up in the rest of the movie? They are really well defined. Uh, <laughs> this family. Uh, why why were these characters not the movie? That's what I want to know. Like <laughs> the little brother was killing me, killing me, <laughs> just ripping his older brother apart for like basically letting uh, a love interest dictate his life. Yeah, it's a great and scene around the dinner table. It, yeah, it's it's one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie. So I'm gonna state that right there. But yeah, you so you do get a little bit of that idea that you know the the star of the movie is the younger person. Now, in this case, it's Sandra, who is a student of Dr. Decker, Mm -hmm. but they don't give her any agency. And what's interesting about that is the movie seems to be showcasing that, but not aware that they're doing the exact same thing. I mean, there are so many missteps in this film. I I can't, can't even talk about all of them, but the i mean what didn't work in this film b- besides underdeveloped female characters and some that are just uh, so poorly written out of the story <laughs> at the end of the movie uh, i mean there's characters in oh. light, light brown face so i couldn't tell if they were doing that or if they were using like some stock footage oh no some i'm of- i'm talking about the 
doctor. Oh, oh, the doc. Yeah, the um, uh, yes, Professor uh, Tagore, who I yeah. think is supposed to be Pakistani or or Indian, but is played by a Greek actor, if if memory serves, who who had done a lot of of similar kind of roles in the the fifties and sixties. Right. I think he was in a in a Bond film, maybe from Russia with Love. I want to say that yes, is. He was. Those actor George Pastel, which is a hilarious name, but uh, yeah, probably the thing that bothers me the most in this movie is Sandra at the very end gets her arm stuck in one of the man, the carnivorous plants, and we just don't see what happens to her. Like, we don't know if she escapes. She did nothing wrong. She was just sexually assaulted yeah, by Dr. So Decker. It, like, the, official, the official summary says she's eaten. So I'm <laughs> I'm I'm guessing she gets eaten. Yeah, she's. How does I, that I little plant eat? I mean, it could eat her arm, and she just like expires. But they don't show it, and they don't show yeah, they, what they happens. They don't, they don't show it. This movie should have been framed around her. And well, you know what? Like the firemen come to the the doctor's house, though. So I mean, yeah, but they get scared off by a giant monkey. Uh, that's a good point. <laughs> I'm sorry. What were you saying before? Oh, I, I think if you could, you could remake this movie with a really interesting social commentary and zero in more about Sandra. And like, cause I think all of the, all of the components there, just like last week, all the components of an interesting movie are absolutely here. I think this movie is more interesting because of the way it completely just goes off the rails all I mean, the time. I mean, what I want is at the end, Sandra getting eaten by this, venus flytrap thing and more of the serum like spills on her and it and she turns into a plant monster that has to fight a giant ape but well, obviously well, we're not getting we, that we we will we will get that in about 27 more years <laughs> are you, what are you talking about uh Biolante. Biolante, yeah I, I wish we would have an early terrible just dress her in of tr- a clothing like, like made out green of green streamers. plants. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. have some green eyeshadow, and that would be better than the ending of of this film. What we eventually get, but like I said, I want to. I don't want to throw shade on Michael Goff because he is obviously the star of the show. He's great. He's they so good. Barely show off Conga. We we see more him as you know first a fairly pragmatic scientist, and then going and. Using the monkey, yeah, to turn in just to a, a slasher almost. And that kill on Professor Tagore is great, where he's like, I think your research ends here. And then there's a smash cut, like a, a camera pan to Conga reaching through the the shelves and, and grabbing the doctor. And that was that was great. That was probably my favorite scene in the movie. The the kills just <laughs> they're so long to set up mm-hmm. and they're <laughs> that part of the movie is so boring. If it wasn't for Goff's performance, you know, like he is, is interesting to, to watch the, the lover's triangle between suddenly his assistant is cares for him. I really thought they were playing his character off as if not gay, asexual, because he, he seems to have no interest in Margaret zero whatsoever. So that's the weird thing is like, did they at one point, like, because when he arrives, they don't show any chemistry between them whatsoever. Not that the actors don't have chemistry, but like he's clearly just what? science, science, science. She like, cares about him a good deal. Yeah. She's like, she's I like, kept up with all your experiments. Doctor. Yeah, you, you didn't write me, blah, blah, blah. And the way he gives 
the audience, like her title is like, okay, she's a secretary, a housekeeper, but she seems to think she's more than that. And she wants, she's like, I want to be your wife. I'm like, okay, well, you don't just jump from like housekeeper (laughs) to wife if something hasn't happened before. I mean, if you're British in the 60s, maybe she's so prim and proper that you know <sighs> maybe like, i expected to be offered my but your I also, my hand in marriage i also maybe think that cohen just doesn't know how romantic relationships work because <laughs> the way that that sandra and bob were written were was not any better no no i mean yeah he's very controlling of her sandra is not terribly written at first but is indeed just kind of like a target for advances from from the professor and that that whole she just cares about science man yeah that whole yeah she's she's pretty well off there that the whole story of like what why exactly oh at the end he says he wants to be with her because she has a young and shapeable mind (laughs) you know he can make her into a better research assistant than margaret yeah he does that and then come with me to uganda He does. He says that, but then he's like starts to like assault her, basically, <laughs> and which is the only time we've seen him with any sort of sexual preference in the entire film. Yeah, there's, but he does it so aggressively and violently that you're. I'm like, do you know how to kiss? Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. His whole problem with is it Dean Foster? No, who who plays her boyfriend? Oh, Jess oh. Conrad. Uh, yeah is bob <laughs> bob kenton but that that uh, whole who, who also was uh perfectly serviceable as far as his acting goes they just didn't really give him a whole lot to do he, he had a, a fuzzy sweater on that distracted me for the majority of this Dude, okay so i i got distracted because they come in from the pouring rain but his sweater <laughs> is still fuzzy and pristine and i'm like what happened here (laughs) (laughs) yeah that that whole middle part of the film is it's so weird because it should drag but because of how inconceivable this is as as a plot as an evil dr frankenstein knocking off his competition you know it's it's somehow watchable (laughs) you know it's bad it's so bad it's good oh this is absolutely a so bad it's good and and one that i fully agree with i was exceptionally entertained by this movie and, and when get to the end congas is holding multiple people and they just cut to the man in the ape suit with dolls in his hand and they're like yeah so painfully <laughs> obvious that they're when dolls he, when he tosses dr becker aside like like just like oh here Oh my gosh! I wish he, <laughs> I wish he had spiked him or something. You know, right? he's, he's just, just kind of like, it's so funny. He like uh, throws him like he's trying to use him maybe offensively against the military. He also no, throws he, Margaret. It's almost like he's like playing a uh, cornhole. He's like, he's <laughs> yeah. like chucking him. <laughs> he, he, yeah, he's, he's yucking a bag, and then there's no like cut to Decker really falling on the street we just see his body <laughs> and like the next shot it's like oh i guess that's how he dies <laughs> yeah uh, and i think one of my favorite lines in this movie it's it's you know after he has murdered bob i think mm-hmm. and he's being grilled by margaret <laughs> he goes there's one thing i can't abide it's hysterics especially early in the morning <laughs> and and the way he delivers that line oh, yeah, he is keep, so good. He keeps saying it's like I didn't kill so and so. I didn't kill. Him. She's like, you know what I mean. You made your stupid ape kill him. 
<laughs> stop using semantics to win this argument. <laughs> you know, it's so good. And then he keeps it. Oh, you're an accessory because you fed him. <laughs> yeah, it's like you knew what I was doing. It's like, well, just stop. Stop killing people. We don't yeah. have to have this problem. It's yeah. Stop. Stop being petty. Like this. This movie would have been very, very different if he would just suck it up a little bit. Like one, stop going after 19 year old girls. Yeah, well, there, there's a, there's a good rule to live by in general. I mean, unless you're 19 years old, but uh, yeah, the, the, yeah, that that whole thing was just it was it's so all over the place. And so for the effects of of Conga, we we go from it, yeah, the actual uh, chimpanzee to a a a stuntman in a ape suit, which mm-hmm. so I I have you know long been pro guy in suit or girl in suit but you have a problem with this one so i do i don't mind if people are in suits when they're supposed to be gigantic but when you're person sized it just looks worse i mean he he very much looks like a man in a gorilla suit which is what he is uh for sure uncredited Actor Paul Stockman, <laughs> yeah, who who got the job because he was had he was six feet tall exactly, exactly and had yeah. red eyes. <laughs> and that's what they. Oh yeah, and the other six foot tall actors had like blue eyes. I, there's some good Seems facial proud of the job he did acting. Yeah, I mean he's uh, what he can. The end of this movie just falls apart so hard, Miles. Yeah, so. So uninteresting to watch. Margaret eavesdrops because uh, doctor can't keep it in his pants, like invite Sandra over to dinner and like leaves the room with his arm around her waist in front of Margaret, who immediately is like, I'm going to follow these two and overhears uh, Dr. Decker talking about, oh, she's outlived her usefulness. Well, (sighs) almost cursed. Dude, just (laughs) stop. Because she uh, she she just pops into the basement. It's like, all right, MFR, I'm gonna give gonna give Conga another jab, and, yeah, and she tries to take over Conga. So it's like she's not a great character either in this movie. Obviously, she's kind of she is complicit in these murders, but right, and, they and do her very do dirty so herself. Well. <laughs> she gets a worse step. She's like burnt alive in the basement. Yeah. <laughs> we don't see her getting rescued, so she's dead. The um, New, York, New York Times critic Eugene Archer said this movie played to mostly misplaced guffaws, which is how we're describing it. <laughs> Just going back over the plot. It yeah, is, I mean, honestly, the more I'm talking about, the more I like it in a so bad it's good way. Yeah, I'm not I mean, sure if it's going to push my score up any higher, but like, I think I'm going to because, like I said, even while I was watching it, I watched this. Uh, <laughs> while I was on the treadmill and there are parts I just stopped walking. It was like, what? <laughs> what just well, happened? So when Conga is giant and, and rampaging upon London, they make these really long shots of Conga just looking around, looking kind of confused and not sure what's going on. So I'm sure no one told the actor, hey, there's gonna be some a bunch of people shooting at you from yeah. that direction. Yeah, there's no like ape raging he's just very slowly walking with the <laughs> the toy of dr decker in his hand <laughs> yeah who it's for not, his not, part michael goff at this point is just screaming conga <laughs> just yeah. over and over the end is is so disappointing because we do get to see conga up next to arguably the most iconic of london sites in in big ben and the the climax happens right before the the clock tower doesn't scale it 
doesn't destroy it, doesn't do anything to it. They're not in the same shop. There's no miniature yeah, of, of Big it's, Ben. It's, it's, it is it's too bad. Just awful. I think the poster has him knocking it down. Yeah, I think. Well, it looks like it's kind of like askew. It, well, it, it's got leaning tower piece of vibe. So yeah, it looks like he's done something, but he's also much, much larger than anything else. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's very much a reptilian situa- situation. It looks like the same painter did it. And but in, 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 in this poster, he's holding a blonde woman who I guess is supposed to be Sandra. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess it makes more sense than holding a, a male figure just as far as like optics go, but this is another poster. Well, again, obviously you're trying to lie. get the 19 year old boy who's he's going to see. <laughs> oh, the lady in the red dress. A- AIP is just, just such a liar. with all the posters it, like we it, talked it, about last week. It's hilarious. Uh, what we did mention last week was this comic uh, for yeah, legacy <laughs> because I goofed <laughs> also got a Charlton comics run much longer yes. than Reptilicus 23 issues. And it did have work by co-creator of Spider-Man, Steve Ditko. Yes. And so this was fun because they did a bunch of like kind of, it seemed monster against monster uh, comics. The, the, the Wikipedia actually has a really cool cover of Kaga battling uh, the creature. And a lot of the original artwork was taken or not taken, but compiled by IDW publishing a couple years ago and put into a book called Congo versus Gorgo, which mm-hmm. I would absolutely watch that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. We'll talk about it uh, more next week, but in addition to that, there was a, a Spider-Man annual that had toy versions of those two monsters, uh, mm-hmm. Conga and Gorgo. Uh, I just sent you a picture <laughs> of them grown to like monstrous size and and having to to attack Spider-Man by I think made by Universe Man. I was I was reading the comic earlier. <laughs> it was an interesting little callback to Ditko's earlier artwork. I actually really like. I mean, if you go through and look at the covers of, of these Charlton oh, they're, comics, they're Kanga, really good. They're awesome. You know, it's Conga fighting aliens and other monsters and stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm super into those. I think I think that aspect is very, very cool. I like seeing that we're getting more of these comic book adaptations come out as we're getting more and more into the 20th century or the yeah. latter half of the 20th century. We'll eventually get to Godzilla having a Marvel comic. A very, mm-hmm. very popular run in, in Marvel comics. But as and far as, as legacy, besides that, this is a an oddity in the Kong universe. This is like kind of a, a, an offshoot of, of Kong and not one that's fondly re- remembered by me. No, this one isn't remembered very much. I mean, you know, it had it has the comic book connection and that's kind of about it. I mean, you know. Outside of that, unless you're like a big comic book person and specifically a Steve Ditko person who was an excellent artist, co-creator Spider-Man, like did great, great work. But you're not, yeah, you're not going to get a lot really from him mm-hmm. or from, from Conga. And for better, for worse, I think like we were talking about, if you had remade this movie, you could have done this, this, and this. As people listening to this show know, not a big giant eight fan. So if they never remake this film, I couldn't care less. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think this is a, a, a forgotten, I don't want to call it gem, but it's definitely a one to bring up if, if you're in a, in a Kong Jason conversation, because 
while not a good movie, it is certainly extremely entertaining to watch. Yeah, yeah. And, and towards that end, let's let's get to our rating of this film. We are rating these as we go chronologically through Kaiju Cinema to help us kind of codify our thoughts on the film, look at where it stands in the the history books. And so we each we watch these movies independently. We rate it accordingly and we kind of combine our scores and we get a single podcast average and the three criteria we're looking at personal enjoyment of the film it's technical and aesthetic achievements you know from writing to acting to the props and the monster itself and finally the kind of ripples this makes in the the greater world of giant monster movie history so you know, a film like Godzilla 1954, we gave a 10 to in that last category. And this one, I imagine, is going to be a little bit less than a 10 miles. Right. Personal enjoyment. Like I said, I was uh, I was going to give this a little bit of a lower score. I'm, I'm going to bump it up to a six, I think, for personal enjoyment. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think I gave a five to Son of Kong to to compare to another Kong movie. I enjoyed this a little bit more than Son of Kong. Oh, absolutely. I, I think for I, I would never argue this is a good movie, but it is. <laughs> it's not good. I mean, you've listened to us like chuckle this entire episode talking about this dumb ape movie. And yeah, it's just it's entertaining. It's so mm-hmm. It's so bizarre in its choices that you just you kind of stand back and 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 you gotta wonder like how this happened. And I mean there's just there's so many weird moving parts this 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 film that I I I would definitely put this on a bad movie night with drinks with friends, and I think people would have a lot of fun. There is no MST3K of this, sadly, because there should be. This there, one feels like it would it would work well. It is ripe. For MST3K, it's got that lackluster ending, but it's it's so hammy, it's so over the top. So yeah, six out of ten for me. What about what about you, Miles? I'm 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 the same. I had it at five, but I'm bumping it up because I'm just I had so much fun like just remembering the, the utterly goofy parts of this movie. Yeah, and I mean, again, it's, you, it's, it's just fun to talk about too. <laughs> talk about how gotta, bad it is. You got you got to get it to the uh, the two second MVP of the film, Bob's little brother. <laughs> second MVP. Like uh, I don't, I don't even know if he gets a name. Oh, maybe it's Daniel. Maybe it's Daniel. Go back and, and watch just that scene. I, uh, I, I mean, that, that kid I, is traumatized. I, Those were his last words to his brother. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Is like two minutes later, like Bob gets murdered by the ape. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I was dying during that scene, and yeah. So I mean, I did have fun. Is it a good movie? No, but at least this is the kind of, you know, bad movie I was really hoping to get more often in the 50s mm-hmm. that they just didn't seem capable of even doing that. And so, yeah, I, I definitely I definitely had fun with this movie. And so that that goes a long way for me. So it's it's getting a, a and I'll be a, and I'll admit a very generous six out of ten. <laughs> what about your your technical evaluation of this one? So. No matter how much I enjoyed it, I can't I can't go to bat for its technicality, and it, it's a four out of ten for me. I think while the makeup uh, department deserves a pat on the back for the the face and and eye kind of work that was done, because it's not just a person in a mask that someone had to like kind of connect everything and and get some real makeup stuff done. I think that aspect was was decent, but I don't love the look of the suit. It doesn't look great. 
And I think that's, that's my problem. It's not that it's a guy in a suit. I just think the suit's kind of shoddy looking. The plants look like they are meant for a stage production. And yeah, I, I didn't mind those props. Except they're, they're not they're not bad. I like that how they're constantly moving. Although yeah, but I thought- we haven't talked about the the huge black bulbous ones with the veins running throughout. <laughs> that was a little too suggestive. Yeah, it, it definitely was. It's, was like, it's very is, much. What is that in, plant in line with Dr. Decker? I also thought at one point when they were just like opening and closing, I thought I heard like a snoring noise that, that, that was supposed to insinuate they were asleep or something. <laughs> it was, it's so silly. Yeah. That, that it, it seems like where that's a lot of the budget went to was this, uh, this house prop that they destroy in like 10 yeah, seconds. The, the house prop didn't look bad, but there's so much of this movie that just kind of like it plods along the, the, the sets are not interesting mm-hmm. and they're, yeah. it's not shot very well. The final, the finale with Congo, who's just freaking standing there and yeah, basically on, stands there, gets shot at, and eventually just falls over. It's like it's like ten minutes of just being shot at, and he's just not really doing anything except it's, for throwing his master. Yeah, Congo seemed like he was going out of his way not to destroy anything, like tiptoeing through London. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's a poor little monkey. Like he he didn't do nothing to nobody. I mean, he he did. Well, but, he did murder people, but not yeah, out of his own volition. But, but not yeah, not of his own volition. And until the end when he definitely murdered Margaret for fun. <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm, give, I'm, give, I'm giving the, 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 the monkey a lot of passes here because, you know, yeah. it was just a, a monkey who was taken out of his element and was forced to do things. Technically, I am giving it a four as, as what you said, a four, right? Yes, I said four. Yeah, pretty med- mediocre and uninteresting technical aspects. Like I said, I think the script... <laughs> Of problems as well. Scripture Not wild. Super interesting direction outside of some, like I said, that smash cut to kill to to horror to core. And as far as where this sits in kaiju history, this is going to be one of my lowest scores because it is, is a blight in that is really nothing like the original King Kong. Like this should not have paid that money to RKO. They should have just made their own giant ape and not called it Conga. So yeah. bit of a an overpromise. Doesn't feel like a spiritual sequel, so I gave it a three out of ten. Uh, Guilt inducing is is whether that is on our scale. <laughs> so for cultural, I gave it a five, but I'm probably have to slap it a little bit lower. I, I gave I gave it a lot of points for the comic book. Um, yeah, well, yes, probably having the, steep Ditko involved. Probably the best part of this, actually. Go back and read those comics; they're cool. So uh, I feel like I'm being a little too generous. It probably should be a four because, you know, this movie hasn't been saved by an MST3K. It's not been talked a lot in, in movie circles. Obviously any, any Kaiju database is going to have this movie involved, but I honestly don't even really consider it a Kaiju movie. I mean, yes, you have just a giant eight, but I mean, Mm -hmm. it's a a regular monkey who gets an injection and is there's nothing other, other, otherly special about Conga other than just being big. But I mean, because, you know, we technically include King Kong and into that oeuvre uh, by, you know, I guess dibs. <laughs> um, the, 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 the that's fine. Yeah, he's, he's something. So, yeah, I, I, I'm going to I'm still going to stick with this five because I want I want my general score to be a five because mm-hmm. I did have a, a lot of fun watching this movie, even though it's not very good. And I, as I said, I think in the very beginning of this show, like for me being entertained counts for a lot because it may not be a good movie, but if I'm entertained, that's why I'm watching in the first place. So, you know, I'm going to give it a little bit of extra love. I personally 
just even though we gave it the same score as I gave Reptilicus, I enjoyed this, the watching experience much more than Reptilicus. Yeah, this is definitely a guilty pleasure. I think that's enough to boost our podcast score up to a five. If you get our scores together, it's it's right there in the middle between a four and a five. But a five for Conga doesn't seem out of out of place. Nah, nah. Like I said, it is interesting enough to to at least sit through one time and experience. Uh, and it was fun to talk about. This is probably one of the more fun bad ones not that we're not going to have some other bad ones in the 1960s but is is an interesting one to start with we will definitely have more fun ones to talk about but yeah this is the first one we've got to kind of you know felt like we get to let our hair down just talk about a a crummy movie that's fun to watch (laughs) right so yeah that will do it for for this week's episode it's a bit of a slow start to the 1960s but we we have a lot of obvious pretty heavy hitters coming Mm -hmm. in japan in the coming weeks so make sure to follow us like kaiju versus history and emails if you have any questions or your favorite kaiju facts at kaiju versus history at gmail.com and go on to our website to get ready or listen to back episodes subscribe you know, like our episodes or whatever you do on your, your podcast apps. Uh, what are we doing? What's, what's next week, Miles? So next week we are going to, <laughs> I'm excited about this. Uh, we're going to look at another knockoff Kaiju film from the British Isles, but we are this time going to examine what many consider one of the best of the best. So the <laughs> tune in next week as we go in for history versus Gorgo.